This, then, is how it came about that Kitten Brown and I were seated one middingful morning in July by the pellucid waters of Lake Susan W. Pillsbury, gnawing sections from a greasily fried trout upon which I had attempted culinary operations. Brown's baptismal name was William, but the unfortunate young man was once discovered indiscreetly embracing a pretty assistant in the administration building at Bronx. Furthermore, was overheard to address her as Kitten. So Kitten Brown it was for him in the future. After he had fought all the younger members of the scientific staff in turn, he gradually came resigned to this annoying nom d'amour. Lightly but thoroughly equipped for scientific field research, we had arrived at the rendezvous in time to bribe the two guides engaged by the government to go back to their own firesides. A week later the formidable expedition of representative ladies arrived, and now they were sitting on the shore of Lake Susan W. Pillsbury, at a little distance from us, trying to keep the midges from their features and attempting to eat the fare provided for them by me. I myself couldn't eat it, no wonder they murmured, but hunger goaded them to attack the greasy mess of trout and fried cornmeal. Kitten was saying to me, Our medicine jest isn't very extensive. I hope they brought their own. If they didn't, some among us will never again see New York. I stole a furtive glance at the unfortunate women. There was one among them, but let me first enumerate their heavy artillery. There was the Reverend Dr. Amelia Jones, blonde, adipose, and close to the four-score mark. She stepped high in the equal franchise ranks. Nobody had ever had the temerity to answer her back. There was Miss Sadie Dingleheimer, fifty, emaciated, anemic, and gauntly glittering with thick-lensed eyeglasses. She was the president of the National Prophylactic Club, whatever that may be. There was Miss Margaret McFadden, a titan, profusely toothed, muscular, and president of the hairdressers' union of the United States. There was Mrs. Gladys Doolittle Bat, a grass one, Bat being represented as a vanishing point, president of the National Eugenic and Purity League, tall, gnarled, sinuously powerful, and prone to emotional attacks. The attacks were directed towards others. These, then, composed a heavy artillery. The artillery of the Light Brigade consisted only of a single piece. Her name was Angelica White, a delegate from the Trained Nurses Association of America. The nurses had been too busy with their business to attend such picnics, so one had been selected by lot to represent the busy association on this expedition. Angelica White was a tall, fair, yellow-haired girl of twenty-two or three, with violet-blue eyes and red lips, and a way of smiling a little when spoken to, but let that pass. I mean only to be scientifically minute. A passion for fact has never obsessed me. I have little literary ability and less desire to sully my pen with that degraded form of letters known as fiction. Once in my life, my mania for accuracy involved me lyrically. It was a short poem, but an earnest one. Truth is mighty and must prevail. Otherwise it were inadvisable to tell the tale. I bestowed it upon the New York Evening Post, but declined remuneration. 
My message belonged to the world. I don't mean the newspaper. Her eyes, then, were tinted with that indefinable and agreeable nuance which modifies blue to a lilac or violet hue. Watching her askance, I was deeply sorry that my cooking seemed to pain her. I said Mrs. Doolittle Bat, in that remarkable booming voice of her. Ma'am, said Kitten Brown, and I with spontaneous alacrity, leaping from the ground as though shot at. There's cooking, she said, with an ominous stare at us. It's atrocious. Don't you know how to cook? I said with a smiling attempt at ease. There are various ways of cooking food for the several species of mammalia, which an all-wise providence— Do you think you're cooking for wildcats? she demanded.